Welcome to your courageous journey. This is Julie Sickles. And this is Julie Farber. And we are excited to have you guys on here today for us to follow up from our interview with Nathan. If you're new to our podcast, our format is we spend an episode or two interviewing someone and then we follow up the next week with a mental health principal or a psychological principal or a personal development principal to help you and to guide you as you're moving through this journey of life. So we're excited today to talk a little bit about some important things from Nathan's episode. Yeah, we've actually been talking about doing something on this topic for a little while, and we were lucky well, enough that... probably since the beginning. This was a big one. Yeah, it was really big. Yeah, our last, our interview was a two-parter. It was about um, toxic relationship. If you haven't checked it out, I would recommend. I think some of the things that Nathan went through are actually more common than maybe we realize. So yeah, but we really wanted to talk about just like toxic relationships and toxic dynamic relationship. Yeah. And I think we both feel pretty passionate about this because we both had relationships in the past that weren't healthy. And we've experienced some of these unhealthy dynamics and learned through going through that experience. I learned a lot about myself. I think it really helped me to choose my current husband Mm -hmm. because I went through a difficult relationship. And I would love it if, especially our younger people, our youth, would be able to really understand this clearly mm-hmm. and what a healthy relationship looks like and what to look for right. in a healthy relationship. Also signs that it's maybe not so healthy. I think it's important to note, though, that no relationship is perfect. Yes. You know, there's always issues that are going to come up. I would venture to say that every relationship has some sort of toxic behavior at least once, you know, just because we're not perfect. And I think there are definitely things that can be worked through and should be worked through. But also, I think it's important to recognize when you need help and when you need to get out. Right, right. So So as we were talking about this, I want to to kind of talk about the why, right? Like, why is this so important? You know, it's important to us, not just because we've been through this, but for me personally, there was a research study that was done. It was a long-term research study following people. And one of the key factors that came out of it, they tried to look at like what leads for people to be happy or leads to a happy life. And the number one factor for a happy life was our relationships. It was our social Mm -hmm. connections. And, you know, I feel like it really is a common basic human need to want to connect and be attached to people. And Mm -hmm. so we can have healthy attachments, but we can also have very unhealthy attachments that both fulfill that need. I think that's why it can be sometimes challenging or scary to get out of relationships that are unhealthy It's because we have that need to be connected to. But when we're in a relationship that is unhealthy, I think a key indicator of that is that we are really unhappy. Mm -hmm. It is very difficult to feel any kind of satisfaction or joy or life purpose when we're in a really toxic, unhealthy relationship. Well, and also, this doesn't necessarily mean romantic relationships either yeah 
I think, you know, Julie, you had a friend that you, I mean, I think we all have. I mean, I had a friend in high school who, I don't know what happened, but I moved away and we just fell out of touch and found looking out. Back, but, looking yeah, yeah. back, you're like, that was not a healthy relationship. That exactly. was not good for me. Exactly. Yes. And I think no. especially, especially teenage girls. I, I love working I with teens. Yeah. And there's a lot of unhealthy teen girl relationships with each other. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, as we're talking about this, I don't want to just have it be romantic relationships, although I think romantic relationships have sometimes the biggest impact and can be the most harmful on us right. when they are toxic and right. unhealthy. So first, let's talk about what are some of the key factors, key characteristics of a healthy relationship. And yeah. I would say number one word is respect. Right. Right. Like in a healthy relationship, you're going to have respect for each other and for yourselves. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that takes maturity too, to have respect for yourselves. Mm -hmm. It's not always an easy thing. So I think that's a key indicator. You can go through a lot of different characteristics, which maybe we'll talk about right now. But the bottom line, I think it just really comes down to respect. So when you have that respect, you're going to support each other. You're going to feel like you're on the same side, the same team. Mm -hmm. And when there is conflict, you're going to use that conflict to better understand each other and... Mm -hmm figure out how to support each other rather than figuring out how to tear each other down or bring the other person to your side, right? You're not going to mm -hmm. see it as a competition. Right. And there's just a sense of cohesiveness, togetherness, like we're in this together right. when you have a healthy relationship. And I think there's also a lot of grace for each other too, right? Recognizing yeah. that mistakes happen. It doesn't have to be perfect, you know? Well, and you don't feel threatened necessarily, yeah. maybe, by the other person's True. mistakes when you have that right. grace. You realize, mm -hmm. hey, that's about them and not me. And I just love them and I want to support them. And I'm yeah. on their team. I'm right. On their team. Yeah. So some signs of healthy relationships would be, we kind of have a list we're going to go through. You want to share some of these, Julie? Okay. Yeah. So mutual respect, which you said, trust is a really big one. Actually, we should probably touch on that quite a bit. But honesty, obviously, compromise is kind of a tricky one. <laughs> I read a quote somewhere. It was in one of my classes. I, I, my bachelor's degree is in marriage and family studies. And so it was in one of those classes. But it was something like, <laughs> I'm paraphrasing here. Compromise is something about neither person getting what they want. <laughs> like, <laughs> I read a um, book that's called Getting to Yes, and I love that book because it was all about yeah. how we can find win-win solutions. So I think a lot of times okay. we think of compromise as being lose-lose, but there yeah. are ways to be able to work through problems to try to find win-win solutions or win-win compromises as well. Yeah, I agree with that. So let's just change that compromise over to win-win solutions. <laughs> okay. Individuality. Oh, that one's actually huge. I know so many, and it's usually young couples. And I think I actually probably had this uh, mentality a lot more when I was younger. Yeah. So we talked about this in my, the very first episode about me just being a huge like sports fan and Michigan fan and stuff. And that actually used to be kind of on my list of things that I wanted from 
a partner yeah. somebody who was very into sports and i don't think it was a requirement to be a michigan fan but it definitely a bonus <laughs> you know and so yeah you could tolerate me i'm a michigan state fan and yeah, you still love you me even, I, of course but you don't even really care about football too i much. don't but that was football. never that was never a thing it honestly was never even something that i valued all that much i just thought i did because it was like it was a big culture in your family. It was family culture. Exactly. It was. It was. And so, yeah, but I mean, that goes into individuality, right? Like it doesn't, I do not need my partner to like the same exact things that I like. I mean, you definitely want to have some things in common. Like your yeah. worldview should be pretty similar, I would feel like. but Or at least respect and acceptance of each other's right. worldview, right? Like if you can't accept their worldview, that yeah. would be a pretty big problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But having all the same interests is not necessary. Being the same right. person you know, requiring the person to be just like you, that's not helpful. And doing all the activities together all the time. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. Yeah. You you should definitely have your own identity, your own interests, your own friends, your own hobbies, and Mm -hmm. should support each other in that and creating a healthy balance between the we-ness and the, and the individuality. Right. There's a balance between those that you have to find. If someone is asking you to really give up on something that you really love, that's maybe an indicator that there isn't compatibility there. I had a cousin who got married and he wanted to be a coach and his spouse thought it was ridiculous. She hated sports. (laughs) It was not compatible like yeah. she really was disdainful about his uh, yeah chosen career path that's yeah. not good for either one of them so right yeah so allowing each other to have that individuality and having respect for each other yeah. i think is important the next one is really big but can be really tricky good communication yeah we talked about we did a whole episode on that we did we did well we did a whole episode on the first part of it but yes yeah. Yeah. yeah, there's more to it. Yes, having good communication and being able to listen to each other and not just be focused on your agenda. Yeah. Is pretty important. Controlling anger. That's a huge one for me. I think I it's think... not just anger, though, too. I think it's emotions. True. Like taking responsibility for managing that's your own thing. emotions. Taking mm-hmm. responsibility for your emotions. Like that's a really big thing because but, yeah. having the emotions is not a bad thing. It's not a bad it's normal thing to oh, feel it's, anger. No. Yeah. No, anger can be very helpful. It can be very energizing. It can help us to protect ourselves or other people, right? Yeah. We can really mobilize anger. It's not having the anger that can be an issue. It's learning how to manage it in ways that help instead of hurt. Yes, because anger can be very, very harmful. When we get really angry, our brain can go into that fight or flight. And when we go into fight or flight, it turns off our our executive functioning brain, right? Our problem solving, fixing things, understanding things, making decisions based on consequences part of our brain. So learning how to manage and control the anger is huge for all of these things. Yeah. And so kind of along with the communication, there's some pieces. There's learning how to, you know, fight fair, right? Mm -hmm. Like, 
things are going to come up. You're going to have disagreements, but how you handle that disagreement is going to really determine if it's going to bring you together and closer and understanding each other more, or if it's going to, you know, push you apart. So mm-hmm. fighting fair is about like sticking to the subject, avoiding attacking the other person or insulting the other person or trying to manipulate the other person to come to your side. When things are getting heated, fair fighting is about like taking the breaks you need to, to cool down so you can come back together and taking that time to try to understand each other first before you really jump into like, what are some solutions we're going to do to try and solve this problem? Right. I think all of that really goes along with there's a whole huge list of things we could go over. Yeah. I think, you know, there's a, it says self-confidence. And I think that's a like a big key to being a good partner mm-hmm. is having self-confidence. Yeah. When you lack self-confidence, that's where like the control factor comes in. As in, well, it could be either way. You could be the one who's controlling. Yeah. Or it could be easier to be controlled. Right. Both. Um, exactly. Because when you feel yeah. out of control inside, people oftentimes try to control everything outside of them to try and get the inner control, not realizing what they need to do is work on their inner world, their inner emotions and thoughts and experiences. So absolutely. But you're also right. When you don't have that self-confidence it can be easy to allow people to treat you ways that are not okay mm-hmm. and not appropriate. But you don't have to be a person that lacks self-confidence in order to get into an unhealthy relationship. I want to make that really clear, especially with people who are have narcissistic personality disorder. They oftentimes target people who are very successful and very confident because they're very attractive to that type of personality and then they systematically work break it down break you down until you you lose your self-confidence so if you are a self-confident person and you're finding within a relationship that you're losing that that would definitely be a red flag something that you'd want to pay attention to yeah true well another piece of a healthy relationship is really having healthy boundaries and being able to respect each other and what you're feeling and needing and wanting and expressing. Yeah. I think that that is something that kind of came up in our episode with Nathan that we really wanted to kind of highlight is that boundaries are really important. Boundaries are what build healthy relationships. Yeah. So to have healthy boundaries, number one, you need to know what your boundaries are. You need to pay attention to your internal world. And what's going on and what it is that you need and want. Number two, you have to communicate that in a clear and kind way. And then number three, you need to be willing to act to put yourself in places where you're respecting yourself and what it is that you need. That's what boundary setting is. If you aren't willing to act, you're not setting a boundary. A boundary is, okay, if I say, you know, hey, I'm not comfortable with you smoking around me because I always get sick, then if they start smoking, you leave. Right. You say, okay, yeah, I'm going to respect what it is that I need. Well, and hopefully they also will respect what it is that you need. Yes. But yeah, going back to the episode with Nathan, if you are in this situation and your significant other was doing what his was doing, 
boundary would you have made and where? I think there are quite a few, right? From talking to him that, you know, as he talked about the problems, every time he talked about a problem that he noticed in the relationship, that was a key indicator that he had a boundary that he wasn't setting for himself. Okay. So for instance, one that comes to mind for me is he talked about how once he had his job, right? And they didn't have quite as much time throughout the day to talk. There was an expectation that he had to cater to her needs, both by waking up in the morning, like responding to her waking him up, and then catering to her needs in the evening, kind of regardless of how he felt. Right. Right. Yeah. So those would be good time for boundaries. Like, hey, look, so I'm a heavy sleeper. Yeah. And I need to go through my way of waking up. And once I wake up, I'll send you a text message to say hi or whatnot. But like setting the boundary of what you're comfortable with rather than here's this demand that I have. And figuring out a compromise, right? For how you can have a way to connect with each other in the morning that works for both of you or in the evening if you're needing to get sleep right like having respect for yourself is getting the things that you need which is, includes right. sleep so having a healthy relationship means you respect yourself and your needs and the other person respects that as well so for him to be able to say to his girlfriend you know i need to get a good amount of sleep so i can do well in my job tomorrow and be healthy and happy and there for you when we talk so this is my bedtime and i'm going to stick to it right yeah right and then expressing it clearly and kindly and then holding to it and that's that time it's like hey i know we're in the middle of something um but we're just going to have to put pause on it cuz it's time for me to go to sleep yeah. right yeah and mm-hmm. not allowing the other person to maybe manipulate you into changing the boundaries that you know for yourself you need yep right and sleep that's a human need yeah (laughs) things to go really poorly if you're not getting the sleep that you need (laughs) yeah that's true so let's talk a little bit about unhealthy unless there's anything else you want to point out about healthy i mean i i think we're somewhat covering both sides of the spectrum as we talk about these different pieces yeah, we can move into the <laughs> red flags, as people like to say. Mm-hmm. Red flags. <laughs> Important to know and understand red flags. Unhealthy relationships. So disrespect and controlling behaviors, I think, are kind of the key characteristics of an unhealthy relationship. But it can manifest in a lot of ways, and it can be really hard to see and understand some of them. And I think that that's really what we want to pick up on. So kind of a key to know if you should be looking for what maybe some unhealthy characteristics are in your relationship. Because once again, not all relationships are healthy. Sometimes it's good to do an inventory so you can start working on some of these things. A key indicator is, are you feeling unhappy, right? Are you not having a lot of joy in your relationship, that could be an indicator that your relationship is not good. Or, right. And to really kind of take that seriously. Let's talk about controlling behavior first. What behaviors really look very controlling? I think one that is pretty obvious pretty early on is jealousy, 
Yeah. Jealousy is something, I don't know, to me, it's just completely a wasted emotion. I think it can be really hard to work through, though. Like, when it comes to relationships, I know I've been... <laughs> I talk about my high school boyfriend, actually. He, I had a pretty, like, a really... In my mind, healthy, healthy relationship. Yeah. Yeah, I think you did too. And he he would say to me, if somebody flirts with you, he's like, it doesn't actually bother me. He's like, it's actually kind of a compliment. A compliment, right? Yeah. Because it's like, number one, he trusts me. Yeah. Number two, he's like, yeah, this person is interested in you, but but I am the, the one, one that is with, with you. you right. Know? Yeah. And so. I think that's a really good way to think about it. Yeah. 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 Um, I think so too. I think jealousy really comes down to that respect too, right? If you respect and trust the other person, then you're not going to be worried about what they're doing. And if you're being respectful of the other person, you're not going to be doing things that are not appropriate with other people. Right. I think respect is kind of the key that helps with jealousy. If there's good respect and trust, then jealousy isn't going to show up. Another type of behavior that really can show up that shows control is isolation. And that one's tricky because it's usually pretty subtle when people are isolating. But Nathan really, I feel like, talked about that quite a bit. If you feel like over the course of a relationship, slowly your friends or family are not in contact with you as much, you know, for varying reasons, that is a sign that the other person is probably not healthy. You know, in a healthy relationship, you have outside friends and outside interests and outside people. So if you're being cut off from other people, either because they don't like your significant other or friend, or because conflicts are coming up, or because that person is criticizing your friends and family, and doesn't want you to be influenced by them. Those are all signs that there are major issues here. So controlling can be like telling people where they're allowed to go and not go. Like if they need to be in control of what you do and where you are and what you're doing and what you wear. um, Oh man, I have a story (laughs) about one of my relationships at Yeah, I was going out with some friends, just some friends. And he was like, why are you, you don't even makeup on? Like, why are you putting makeup on to go out with your girlfriends? It wasn't something that he was like forbidding me to do. But he was criticizing. But he did not approve. He was being very critical. Yeah, which seemed like it came from jealousy. So, Mm -hmm. right. And lack of trust kind of goes back to yeah. that lack of trust. Like, well, are you putting a makeup on to look good for other guys? Like, what are you going to be doing? <laughs> right. Right? Like, yeah. 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 Criticism is very much a warning sign. And it can show up subtly. It can show up in small ways. It can show up in big ways. But that's definitely one to kind of look out for. Another big one that we saw with Nathan and his relationship was constant fighting. It is normal that relationships are going to go through stages and there is going to be conflict. If there's constant fighting or constant conflict, then it's just a war all the time, right? Like it's not kind of that foundation of healthy respect for self and healthy respect for the other person. That's a pretty good warning sign. And I think any kind of sense of hostility or contempt 
or disgust for each other or for each other's values or what's important for each other, hobbies, that sort of thing. I think that's a sign of an unhealthy relationship. Any kind of threats or intimidation. And then obviously physical violence or sexual violence. So I want to say something about this specifically. Which one? Physical violence. Okay. People don't think about this a lot. And I used to not. But I had, you know, one of my relationships where he never hit me. I don't think he ever verbally threatened to hurt me. Mm -hmm. But he would throw things across the room. Which was threatening, intimidating. Right. Mm -hmm. He would block me from going through doors if Mm. I was trying to escape a situation. Mm -hmm. And those kinds of things fall under physical violence. Right. Like, it's coercive. It's intimidating. It has a lot of the same effects. Yeah. Well, and and he... It's not okay. It's not okay, and it escalates. And I think that that's Mm -hmm. a a key to point out with that. With those type of behaviors, what you were describing, Julie, is kind of how it starts. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times, physical violence will then come after a period of time. And you even found that. I mean, the reason you broke up with that person was because he actually did put his hands on you. And that was really, for you, the warning sign of this is not healthy anymore because it escalated to a point where he did shove you and he was a lot bigger and stronger than you Mm -hmm. and it just wasn't okay and i was really grateful that you saw that right away and you're like no (laughs) like i'm not going to be in this relationship but you probably didn't realize that some of the throwing things and intimidation stuff comes first before the actual physical violence yeah I was definitely worried. Like if, okay, there is a case. We might have referred to it in another episode. Josh Powell. Yeah. Case. Yes. Yep. I, my understanding too was like, she was, she feared for her life. She made a whole video of, you know. If something like happens to inventory. me. Inventory. Yeah. Yeah. Like. Yeah. And I don't think that he was ever physically violent to her. Before there's that, no, there's yeah. not evidence of it anyway, as far as I know. I could be wrong. What I love about what you're saying, Julie, is mm-hmm. that it is important to take signs of emotional abuse or intimidation very seriously, right? Take it very seriously because things can escalate. And I think we are in our society program to recognize signs of physical violence and leave a relationship. But I don't think that we are necessarily prepared well to recognize signs of emotional violence or abuse or manipulation or control and what to do about it. And that's how we can really get stuck in a very unhealthy relationship. Well, because culturally too, we're like, oh yeah, if there's proof, then you know, you have the right to get out. But if there's no proof, then you have to stay or, or you're just being, yeah. Or you're just, what you're saying is just scrutinized. And Mm -hmm. yeah. So So there's an article that I really love that we'll link to on our social media from Healthline. That's called how to recognize the signs of emotional abuse. And it is my favorite 
for people to be able to really identify because it goes through a lot of characteristics and like four main categories and goes into detail of what it is and what it would look like, like giving examples. So we'll go through a couple of these, but if you're really wondering, like, am I in an unhealthy relationship? This is a great article to really help clarify because when you're stuck in that relationship, a lot of times people will use gaslighting to make you feel guilty. Like you're the one that's doing something wrong all the time. And so you don't recognize that what's happening isn't okay. You just feel like you need to do something different. You know, they say on average, women who are in a domestic violence relationship, it takes them an average of seven times leaving their abusive partner before it sticks because they get sucked back in. Emotional abuse and manipulation and gaslighting can be very hard to break out of and to overcome and to see clearly. And this article, it makes it as bright as day. Real quick, let's go over what gaslighting is exactly. Because I think we'll probably have some listeners that may not understand what that means. Yeah. So gaslighting is when a partner is kind of trying to rewrite what happened and convince you that the way that you remembered it isn't what actually happened, if that makes sense. So Mm -hmm. if, you know, let's say they did or said something that was hurtful in front of a group of people and later on you're like, I can't believe that you said that. Like I was really, I was really hurt. They'd be like, I never said that. What are you talking about? Why are you making stuff up? Why are you trying to attack me right now? I can't even (laughs) believe that you would do that. Yeah. (laughs) Right? Like, (laughs) yes. That all sounds, I laugh because I've experienced that before. (laughs) More than one relationship. So, yeah. Yeah. And they really, it's like they very quickly kind of turn everything around. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, you're like questioning yourself. Like, did I really make this up? Did this not happen? Mm -hmm. It really warps your mind. It's very disconcerting and it's very hard to sometimes see it very clearly for what it is. Gaslighting is denying that a specific thing happened or arguing and really it leaves your head spinning. It's a it's a great tactic that narcissists use to control people. I want to just hit on a few of these from the article about emotional abuse. There's kind of four main categories. One is humiliation and criticism. The second is control and shame. The third is accusing, blaming, and denial. And then the fourth is neglect and isolation. And then each of them is kind of broken down into specific things that people might do. I think when we think of emotional abuse, first thing we think of is someone who's like calling people names, right? Cussing them out. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, emotional abuse encompasses so much more than that, Mm -hmm. that we wouldn't even necessarily realize. There's this model of healthy communication that I really like that I learned years ago from a supervisor mm-hmm. who she's like, there's this three-step questions you can ask to see if what you're saying is helpful for a relationship. So right. number one is what you're saying respectful. Number two is what you're saying honest. And number three is what you're saying mutually beneficial right? Is it helpful for both you and the other person to say this thing? And if you can't answer yes to all three of these, then it probably isn't something you should be saying. And I think you can use that rule either to 
help filter yourself to create healthier relationships and communication. But you can also use it with your partner. Like, you know, is what you're saying really respectful right now? You know, or you just ask, like, could you say that to me in a way that is a little more respectful? You can request for the respect, the honesty, or for there to be a purpose for it to be mutually beneficial. So any of these four that you want to dive into a little bit more, Julie, the signs Uh, of... Yeah, you know, I think I do want to... It would be cool to touch on shame a bit because there is a difference between shame and guilt. Absolutely. Shame is feeling like something is wrong with you. Mm -hmm. Where guilt, healthy guilt, is feeling like you did something that you regret or that was a mistake. Yeah. And so if your partner's leaving you feeling like, oh, just like, I'm so messed up, there's something wrong with me, then usually that's a tactic to try and be able to control you. So things that they could do that might make you feel shame are lecturing you, criticizing you, you know, putting you down, ignoring you. That could be very disconcerting yeah. if you're you know sometimes people use the silent treatment for days and days at a time that's not healthy right yeah so i think control and shame can show up once again very big ways very subtle right like control yeah. could be specific threats like if you leave me i'm gonna take the kids away from you or make them hate you you know spying on you yeah having to be in control of all of your electronic accounts email so right. forth Facebook. I think it's good to have an open door policy when it comes to your media. I think that that's just healthy, that you can respect each other. But I think if the other person feels like they need to like go through and point everything out or question you on every little person you've had any contact with ever, that's a sign of an unhealthy relationship. Mm -hmm. If they're telling you what to do or not allowing you to have control to your finances, using anger in order to control you, right? If you're afraid, mm-hmm. if you do or say something and they're going to get angry and you're walking on eggshells all the time, that can be a sign of control. On the opposite side of that, having someone who is always feigning like they can't do something and they need you to do it for them, like they're dependent on you, yeah, is another sign of controlling because control. yeah. they need you to do it for yeah. them. So all of those things can be signs of control and ways that make you feel ashamed of yourself and the relationship. I think one I want to touch on in the humiliation, negating, and criticizing category, you know, some of the like name calling and that kind of stuff is really obvious. But I think one that or some that are not are like joking around, like if someone's saying a joke and it hurts you and you express that and they're like, you're too sensitive or grow up or why can't you take a joke? That is not healthy. In a respectful right. relationship, someone will be like, oh, you don't like that? Okay, I can make a different joke about something else. It's not a big deal. But if they're making you feel bad. About, and they get mad at you for feeling bad. <laughs> and they get mad at you for feeling bad. That is not healthy. Right. right? Or dismissing yep. your concerns, you know, playing down what's important to you, patronizing you, belittling what you accomplish or insulting your appearance. All of those things can be couched in, I'm trying to help you, right? Like you need yeah. to know that that outfit makes you look really fat. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to help you. But if you're leaving 
the situation feeling worse about yourself, then it's not healthy. Right. And another big one in this category, I've seen this one with narcissists. They're really good at it. That is, they do this thing where they'll bait you. So they know the buttons to push to make you upset. And then once you lose your cool, they're going to point at you. I mean, not literally, but figuratively, they're going to point at you and say, what is wrong with you? Like, you are crazy. (laughs) I can't even believe you're acting like this. And all of a sudden, they're going to turn everything around and make it look like there's something wrong with you and not them. Yeah, well, that goes along with the gaslighting, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But But it's subtle because the way they do it, you don't recognize that they're doing it. Right. So let's just touch a little bit on the accusing, blaming, and denial category. This would be like using guilt trips. A lot of classic manipulation falls into this category, like using unrealistic expectations. They expect you to know what they want and do it. Yeah. You know, denying that what they're doing is wrong and throwing it back on you, trivializing how you're feeling, blaming you for the problems. You know, all of those things can be signs. And once again, they can be really big, obvious signs, or they can be very, very, very subtle signs that if you're not looking for it, you wouldn't recognize. And then the last big category is emotional neglect and isolation. Mm -hmm. So this is really about them being all about them, right? It's about their needs. It's about their wants. And if you have any needs or wants, then you're abusing them is Uh kind of the line that I've heard. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Right. So why are you being so abusive? It's about making you feel less than human, right? Mm -hmm. Making you feel like it's not okay for you to be human. So really invalidating your needs, your boundaries, your desires, what you want, treating you less than the silent treatment can fit into this one as well. You know, refusing to be affectionate with you, right? Like if you're like, oh, can I have a hug? They'd just be like, why would I hug you right now? Or maybe they would just, as soon as you express the need, they would constantly have reasons and excuses why they can't meet that need. Uh, Yeah. Or shutting down communication. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Trying to turn others against you. It's a lot of not good stuff. Interrupting you, disputing your feelings. You shouldn't feel that way. Right. Should be angry. Why would you be angry? So a lot of there's a lot of ways that it can show up that if you're not looking for it, you wouldn't even recognize it's happening. So that brings up the question of a lot of these things can happen without it necessarily being an abusive relationship, right? Yeah. I think the abuse is pattern over time, right? Yeah. Um, I think sometimes it happens occasionally, right? How do you determine what can be worked through and when it's time to really like get some help or even get out? Yeah. I think it really comes down to, you know, the quality of the interactions in the relationship. If you are mm-hmm. spending more time worried about when it's going to go bad next, mm-hmm. right? If you're walking on eggshells all the time, if you're really unhappy, and yeah. you're not having a lot of joy, then mm-hmm. that's a big concern. So first would be to recognize, like, I'm really not getting the connection that I need from this mm-hmm. relationship. And then second, figuring out what it is that's not happening 
and being able to try to see if it's possible to work towards that. And in some relationships, you can, right? You could say like, I'm really just not feeling happy. And if that respect and that trust is there, the other person is going to be like, oh, how can we work through this? And sometimes you can work through it on your own. Sometimes it's good to reach out and get professional help through a therapist or through coaching or whatnot. If the other person is not willing to acknowledge that they're contributing in any way to your unhappiness, I think that that's a huge warning sign. Yeah. If the other person is unwilling to take responsibility, that's a huge problem. Now, Mm -hmm. conversely, it's the same with you, right? If you are looking at your relationship and you're just unhappy and it's all the other person's fault and the other person just needs to change for you to be happy, that's a red flag for me. Healthy adults take responsibility for the part that they play and you are always half of the equation. You know, if someone's Mm -hmm. being unkind to you and you're in a relationship with them and you continue to allow them to be unkind to you, you know, you have a responsibility to stand up and say, I'm going to respect myself enough that I'm not going to just stand in this place and let them be unkind. I'm not going to continue that. Right. So taking responsibility for yourself, not taking responsibility for your partner and what they choose to do and not do or for their emotions, right? You take responsibility for your emotions and actions and for your boundary and your safety, And you allow the other person to do the same. But if either one of you refuses to do that, I don't know that you can have a healthy relationship. Right. But the really Mm -hmm. cool and hopeful thing is, is that when you do take responsibility for your stuff, when you take responsibility for your choices and your actions and your emotions and your happiness, you know, a healthy person is going to respond to that in healthy ways. It's very Mm -hmm. hard for... A person who is unhealthy, when their partner starts setting and moving through healthy boundaries, when that person starts moving through healthy boundaries, what happens? The unhealthy person breaks up with them because it doesn't work for them anymore. They're not getting their unhealthy needs met. Mm -hmm. And they're like, well, okay, I'm going to move on. Yeah. The relationship, if the other person doesn't respect those boundaries, the relationship doesn't last. Mm Mm-hmm. I think a lot of times that's true. I think then sometimes you get the crazy crazies that are (laughs) really hard to escape from. Yes. But I try to, I don't know, I kind of tend to, I guess, compare relationships or even just acquaintances, anything to like a bank account, right? Mm -hmm. I think you make deposits and then you make withdrawals too. And which I think is normal because people need things, right? Like in a bank account, you, you're you going to need to utilize your money, right? We have friends and connections and stuff. You, you're going to have needs from all of these connections and that's normal. But when the needs outweigh the like the deposits, like what you're putting in or vice versa, you know, when somebody else is needing more from you than they're putting in, I think that's where the toxic dynamics start to happen. And you know, or if I've you're allowing, right? If you're allowing yourself to give, 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 give. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And you're not allowing them to give to you because that can mm-hmm. happen too, where you're very sure. self-depreciating and you just right. don't value yourself enough to allow the other person to show up for you. Mm-hmm. That can be yep. a problem. Yeah. I yeah. think it's it's a lot that we're sharing right now. <laughs> yeah, um, it is a lot. <laughs> But I think it's really important to talk about because oftentimes 
when you're in an unhealthy relationship, you're the last person to realize that. Right. So another key that I have to say is if you're getting feedback from your family and friends that they're concerned about your relationship in any way, that is a huge sign that the relationship is probably toxic and you should probably try to work on it or work on getting out of it. I think that's well said. Yeah. Or like you said earlier too, if your friends and family are being co- in, in contact less yes, or you are ignoring them, you know, that's not responding to that's, that's also a sign. It is a sign because your family and friends love you, hopefully, Most right? The they're, time. they're coming in healthy or, family and friends too. Yeah, but, right. but you know, if your family and friends love you, they have your best interest at heart. So if they really have concerns about your significant other, there's probably something there to that. They wouldn't have those concerns if they're healthy they wouldn't have those concerns and be expressing them to you so kind of the next and last piece to really talk about is what to do if you're in an unhealthy relationship Mm -hmm. so first i want to say if there is physical violence once it gets to that place it's time to get out it's time to get out it's time to get help it's really hard to do there are some really amazing resources there's a domestic violence hotline and there's websites where you can create safety plans sometimes you have to put some stuff in place first before you can get out there's a lot of help and resources for people to be able to get out of abusive situations and to help your mind to heal from all of the manipulation and the distortions that you've been living under because usually All of the emotional abuse comes first before the physical violence. So first and foremost, if someone has gotten physical with you and they have some of these other traits, the likelihood of them changing is very low. Marital therapy is contraindicated. It actually makes things worse in domestic violence situations and not better. If you have someone who has these traits we're talking about, the emotional abuse traits or Physical violence, do individual therapy. Do not go to marriage therapy. They will use it against you to control you more. That's not something that I've ever heard, I don't think. I think that's really important. Really important for people to know. Do not go to marriage therapy. People think, oh, I should go to marriage therapy. Not with these people. It's not healthy. So is there ever hope for somebody who is the, uh, the emotional abuser? I mean, I guess they could probably take ownership if they try mm-hmm. to take ownership of, or, I mean, have yeah. you ever seen that? Have you seen that happen in your own? Oh yeah, I have. Science? I have. Okay. I think if it's progressed to physical violence, the research shows that the best chance of that person being able to change is being in a domestic violence group with other people mm. who are this way, you know, until yeah. they see other people acting this way, they just don't own. They always blame their behavior on the victim. If the victim only did this, then I wouldn't have done this. Yeah. But there have been people who've been able to come through it, but usually they need to be able to kind of see from outside how unhealthy it is. What it it looks like. Yeah. 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 So if you are in that situation and the person wants to change, get them involved in, you know, a domestic violence group for perpetrators. That's going to be, you know, the best case scenario for maybe possibly there being changes. But it's very hard because a lot of these characteristics are very ingrained in their character and their personalities. And they're usually very unwilling to change unless big things happen. Right. Hmm. 
Not that they can't, right? I've done some training about narcissistic abuse and so forth. And uh-huh. people do want to change, right? Because narcissists are not happy. Everyone yeah. around them is not happy. Like they can look successful from the outside, but inside, yeah, everyone's really suffering. Um, yeah. So I have a lot of compassion for people who struggle with this, but it's going to take consistent effort over many, 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 many years like weekly therapy and group sessions for them to develop healthier relationships with themselves and others. Right. But if we're just talking about emotional abuse, you know, it can show up in little ways. And I think definitely there's help. I think there's a lot of cultural things that we can pick up through media that can lead to unhealthy dynamics in our relationships and so forth that we don't even recognize. We maybe think it's normal. And so recognizing and working towards a healthy relationship can lead to healthy relationships. Right. And I believe in that strongly. Yeah. But I also believe sometimes it's time to leave. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. All right. Well, I think that this is what we've gone over a lot. I think this is probably a pretty good place to wrap up. I think if you find yourself just honestly, if you are unhappy in a relationship, know like, that it can change or it, it you can, can change. change or you can get out. It's or okay. you can get out. Yeah. Those are all viable options, right? Like my biggest mm-hmm. thing is hope. Like your future can be happy, but yeah. happiness we have to take into our own hands And we have to do something to make it happen. And that's true with our relationships and improving our relationships. All right. Well, is there anything else you wanted to say? No, I'm just really glad that we can cover this topic. And I hope Mm -hmm. that people can improve their relationships and be happier in their relationships and help their loved ones to be happy as well. And that this information will be useful and helpful to them. Yeah, we appreciate you all very much. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Thank you. Bye. Bye.